0: Welcome to the InspireLink podcast, bringing you lessons from high achieving business leaders and entrepreneurs. This is your connection to inspiring leadership. I'm your host, Jennifer Trammell. Today, I want to introduce you to a business leader, professor, and innovator who will change your thinking forever, Walter Herbst. Trained as an industrial designer, Walter now runs his own design firm, Herbst Product, and teaches at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. He's the director of the Master of Product Design and Development Program. Walter brings his expertise for product design development into the classroom. This program is the only one in the country that deals with the totality of the issues related to product development. Before academia, Walter ran the largest privately held design firm in the world, We talk about why design thinking is smart business when it comes to investing capital, bringing streamlined beauty to products, and how his observation practices can be applied to your own company. So when someone says, Walter, what do you do? How do you answer that question?
1: Oh, well, well, I'm trained as a designer, product designer, industrial designer. Um, I became an entrepreneur early, early, early on in my career. Um, The company got bigger so then I had to get my masters and then I started teaching at the university where I got it. So I was a Kellogg student, MBA. And they were trying to teach my subject matter and they, they didn't know it very well. So I, I started teaching. So I started becoming a, an adjunct professor, you know, someone that has lives in the real world. And then um, I wanted to get to a different level in design. So I sold my firm to the employees and started a small one but then decided I better get my PhD because I really wanted to get serious with education and teaching in my subject matter. So if you say what do you do? Well, I'm a designer cuz I cuz I still have cause I have this firm in Silicon Valley and I'm a, what's known now as a distinguished prof <laughs> distinguished professor at Northwestern. You
0: can't get through it without laughing.
1: No, I laugh a lot because it's all so ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> because I'm just a designer guy. But obviously, you know, the students in the university enjoy what I do and enjoy this program I started. So every year they give these titles to a, about three or four people. So I'm not, So I'm a distinguished professor at Northwestern University and the CEO of Herb's Product.
0: Congratulations. Well, we're honored to have you with us here on InspireLink, the Next Gen Speaker Series podcast. And one of the reasons I was so excited to talk with you today is because you really shifted my world during our first conversation. You introduced me to design thinking. So what I'd like to do today is introduce our audience to design thinking. What does that mean for how they approach problems, how they approach their business, and how they approach life? So start us off, what is design thinking?
1: So design thinking came about, I think, when, when probably some of the acad- academics and or business people just started looking at the way designers in general explore and look at problems versus the way they do. So, so let me give you the, the a- total opposite. If, if you're having this conversation with a lawyer, or if, and I'm the lawyer, and I'm asking you a question, you can bet, I know the answer. I, I know the answer, don't mess with me, I know the answer. In design thinking and for designers, we're so, I mean, that's why I left because the whole thing's so ridiculous. We're sort of so simple about the whole thing, we, we, we upfront, we just say, I have no freaking, I have no idea how to solve it, I don't, I don't have a clue. So I'm gonna really start exploring this thing. And the explorations are so absurd that we, you know, within a week, we'll, we will fill all of these walls with ideations, but they're based on reality of finding out, and this is the tough one. The tough one is, what's the problem? I mean, people don't really think that way. You know, chemi- so, so let's take any major corporation, and we'll, I'll, I'll be careful, I'll never use, I won't use a name. But let's assume it, 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 it's a corporation that's devoted to uh, everyday goods that you might have in a the household. There's a number of them around, you could plug in any name you want to plug in, it doesn't matter. So they'll all have a really, really strong, they should, uh, chem engineering department, probably a really good uh, mechanical department, depending on what they're doing, may they have some really good software, firmware type folks and they'll have the classic marketing. and It'll just be very, very classic, all along those divided lines. Um, and what classically happens, it's not unusual that from the chemistry group, let's say, they'll just come up with whatever, the newest molecule that does something. And everybody says, wow, that's the newest molecule that does something. We should just do that. Well, okay, that's one way to approach it, by finding the solution and then, and then trying to figure out what, what do you do with it. And in our case, we're, we're, we're out there saying, well, what's the problem? I mean, can we just get to the basis of what's the problem? So for us in design thinking, it's all about immersion. Whatever we do, we immerse ourselves. I mean, if we're doing surgical instrumentation, you better be hanging out in the OR. If you're doing a, a diagnostic, which uh, we've done a lot of brilliant medical diagnostic type work, I get the chemistry and I get the mechanics behind it, but if I'm not living in the lab that's doing it, whether that's a hospital lab, an independent, I, 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 just, I, I know your solution but how is that going to align with the end users? So, so it's about user centricity. You really better understand the users. And you have to live that life to some degree. So we, we blissfully go about blissfully go about and just say, Let's figure out what the problem is before you just start jumping ahead.
0: You're expert observers when you go into those situations.
1: Yeah, and then will you boy do we explore. It is crazy the explorations. And and it's fun. I mean that's why I, you know, people like me just do this stuff the rest of their lives. I mean, who has more fun? Because what people like me do, and certainly in the studio, I mean, we're just dreaming all day. We're just sitting around. and Now, it's a little more complex than that. But for the starter, the base design thinking, yeah, we're just noodling. You know, we're just noodling it out with just simple little colored pencils or markers or. What about this? What about that? What about this? And then we just start posting it, and then we start grouping them together, and we say, that may be a direction, that may be... And we still don't know. I mean, that's the, that's the key. We still don't know. So we've noodled out a bunch of opportunities, and where everybody makes a mistake, except good, qualified designers, is we take that noodling and we go right back into the market. Is this making sense? Is this one working for you? What about this? What about that? What if we combine these two? It's the ultimate we, iterative process. Yeah, and we just keep doing it and tightening and tightening. So you have this funnel, all these ideas. And then we bring it down, we just learned some more. And we bring it up, and we just keep doing that until we know. We, we absolutely know this is what you're going to do. We know enough about the market, and this is what you should capture based on the research we've done. So this is, not, this is not a bunch of, of just creative, artsy people that are just drawing pictures. Uh, I mean, think about the responsibility. Um, the chart, and I've done this, uh, I've laid out a chart of, of cost and return, if you will, and it's really, really interesting in the incremental expenses that you get to as this development continues. So, so let's just start out with my original ramble. We get the problem and we have no idea if it's right. All right, well, we're gonna spend, I don't know, a couple of three weeks hanging out, going to the lab, going wherever we have to hang out, whatever that may be, hanging out at retail, whatever it may be. Well, okay, that's not bad, so we take a couple of humans, throw them out there, start learning about it. So there's, some, so there's cost here. And now let's go back into the studio and let's start developing that out. Well, I'll give you that that next development is gonna be, I don't know, three to five times the amount because now we have something. Okay, now we go back into the field and we'll do a little more development. And as we keep going down that line to full development, full engineering, and now let's take it to what we call rollout. Now you're doing it.
0: And we have a product in hand.
1: Well, we have, yeah, a we prototype. have what we're going to call this alpha prototype, looks like, works like. And then we're going to roll it all the way into pre-production. Think about, so I started out with that little five-time multiple. We are at a hundred-time multiple. What, what does that cost? So we better be right. I mean, capital investments, here's what's an amazing statistic, which stands up pretty well. In America, we have a failure rate of very, very high 80%, as low as as low as low 90s, of products that have no sustainability in the marketplace. That's crazy. Who that, I mean, how's that happening? Products we
0: develop, we, 90% develop, we roll them of out. Them, we roll out. And a
1: year and a half or two years later, it's fully discounted, and, and everybody looks back and says, how do, we, how, how do we get into that mess?
0: The word waste comes to mind. Oh my
1: God, it's just horrendous. So if you do it right, and we really do it right, no, that 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 will never happen. I mean, it will never. Why will it never happen? How do I say that with that kind of certainty? Because you've rolled it all the way into alphas. Looks like, works like. You can put it in the lab. You can do whatever you need to do. You can even present it to, to FDA. You can present it to any of the any of the agencies, ULs. Um, but more importantly, you know the buy in. You know the demand that, that's going to develop as a result of it. And it's really important to know it because we're going to have a, a reasonably decent voice in more than a decent. We're going to be the primary voice in how are you going to produce this thing? Are you going to produce 10 or are you going to produce 100,000? Well, we need to know all those methodologies to, to preserve your investment. So if you don't have a sense of acceptability and market and sizing, man, you're, it's, gonna be a, it's just going to be a nightmare and a really expensive nightmare.
0: A really expensive so that's, one. The,
1: so that's this whole design thinking is it just starts out with, What is it we're doing and who are we doing it for? And and how deep is this exploration to make sure that we just keep um, tightening it to make sure we're really right?
0: So this has been very theoretical around design thinking. Let's bring it down to a concrete example. Let's (laughs) let's walk through a case study so our audience can understand, okay, I kind of get this. How does this apply? Sure. Give me a little bit of a, a smattering of the types of products you've worked on.
1: Well, the ones that, are, that it applies to, I, I shouldn't say best because that's not fair, it applies to everything we do. But the ones I'm really delighted with are some of the um, uh, diagnostics tools and devices that we've been a part of.
0: This is in healthcare?
1: Yeah, yeah, personal healthcare and or uh, healthcare on a larger scale. and. It, it's not unusual at all that that a couple of folks are going to get really smart folks are going to get together and figure out some methodology that's going to do some next new thing. So, so let me let me give you an example. I'll use a real example. So we had a couple of chaps that came to us, and uh, one was a doc, one was a bio, one was a chemist, and I think the third was a biomed and they had figured out a methodology for something that is just outrageous. If you go to, if your doc thinks, I think you've got pneumonia, in fact I, it, you've got pneumonia, we need to start, we need to get you in the hospital because this one's, this one's a bad one. So envision this. Go to the hospital and they stick an IV in you with what they think is going to do it for you. And it's especially prevalent pre- prevalent in, in the kids. It's, uh, believe it or not, it's the number one killer for young people worldwide is pneumonia. But anyway, so you've got the bug in you. So they stick an IV in you and by the, and by the way, they've just taken a blood test. And we send that off to the lab.
0: So they take the blood test when you first get there and we're gonna start you on an IV.
1: Yeah, and we have no idea.
0: We think it's pneumonia, but we don't know.
1: Well, we're pretty sure it's pneumonia. We know you got a bad bug, but we don't know because we've just sent this thing off to the lab. Okay, so now you now this clock is ticking. This gets crazy. The clock is ticking, they've stuck an IV in you. The day later, nothing. They stick another IV in you, a different one, a different concoction this blood test is still sitting in the lab now we're in day two blood test is still sitting in the lab and now you've got another iv in you and that's not working for the third iv they're starting to call in the family and saying this person may not make it they're guessing and you now have the third iv why that sample is still in the is still in the lab
0: and we've tried three treatments and and you're not responding
1: and it's not responding and chances are good you will die. I'm just telling you that's true.
0: And your blood sample is still sitting at the lab. Yeah. So Three days later
1: it'll usually get back to the hospital and now they can figure it out if you're still alive. That should scare anybody big time. So these so it was bothering these these scientists folks it was and it should have been it should have been bothering everybody and they looked at a methodology that dealt with uh, what's called a microfluidics, where they were, they were analyzing and diagnosing multiple ch- streams um, through an algorithm uh, of, of opportunities that could resolve, resolve it. So rather than having a blood test that you're looking at, they were running like 36 at a time, really, 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 really fast. I mean, within hours, they were doing this. Okay, so now they have a method, so the scientists have a methodology. I mean, we're not scientists, not even almost. We understand it, but we're not. So then, the, so the, sci- so the scientists, this is pretty standard for us. The scientists may get lucky enough where they find a backer of some sort. Uh, maybe it's friends and family, um, but someone's willing to throw some, some money at this.
0: Could be venture capital?
1: Absolutely, 100 percent. And it's not unusual that that's how projects walk into the office, and they walk into the office with a little pile of money and literally a chemistry set. I mean, it's it's a chemistry set, What, what what do I do with all of this? Well, that walked into the office, and it was better than a chemistry set. but. I mean, it was hard to show it to people other than to say, just trust me, it it works. This thing, this box thing works. And it
0: works by taking that blood sample and quickly analyzing it. Yeah,
1: through multiple channels, micron channels. I mean, it was just brilliant, 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 brilliant work.
0: And within hours, we can have an answer to what is this bug. So we're not even getting to the point of giving you one, two, three IVs three days later and we still don't know. Right. We have an answer and we know how to treat it immediately.
1: Really fast. Wow. Okay. But now it's time for conversion. You've got to now start getting the labs interested and the hospitals interested. And and buying the system. (laughs) Yeah. You've got this, I, I mean, it's not fair, but you've got this clunked up, Things that someone's carrying around and saying you should have this and you'd you'd sort of look at it and say I don't think I should have it because I don't know that I believe, I mean I believe your test, you're showing it to me but anyway so that's the sort of stuff that walks into the office. So that one walked into the office and the first thing we did, we understood the science, I mean they explained it, and the first thing we did is we then started getting permissions to hang out in labs. Hospital labs and, and larger, uh, larger commercial labs
0: where they're actually taking those blood samples. Yeah, they're really and doing takes it. Three and, days and, to
1: you, and you really need to see the environment. That's really important. I mean, you really need to go into any of these labs, and they're pristine. Hospital labs. I mean, even at your doc's office, everything is proper. So we we started doing that, and then we started realizing the variance of usage just crazy remarkable. I mean, you may have a, a top quality hospital, but their, but their need is pretty minimal versus a huge lab that might take care of, I don't know, the town, I don't know. But, but, but you could see that the opportunity space is no longer this thing, this big box thing that walked into the office. And now we're seeing this opportunity space. So that then starts the thinking as to, I wonder if you can't modularize the whole thing. I wonder if my small lab just doesn't buy the basic brains, if you will, with a singular module that can run a number of tests per hour. But wait a minute, you've got a huge lab. Can't I just start growing this module? Can't I just start building on this thing? because I, I only need one brain box, but I need a lot of these guys.
0: To analyze many samples yeah. at once. To see exactly what Walter is talking about, visit herbstproduct.com. That's herbstproduct, product with a K, dot com. Scroll down and click pattern to see the medical diagnostic system. My favorite part is the original clunky silver box and the dozens of colored pencil sketches for the designs Walter and his team considered. He told me these pictures represent just 25% of the sketches and design work that was done. That's product, product with a K, dot com.
1: So you start out as I was rambling earlier with just the the exploration the design thinking you're in the field then you're recognizing modularity then you certainly have a strong sense of what's going to be and this is an important one don't it should never be taken lightly and that's the emotional response you're going to have to the believability of what you're using is coming from a first class absolute button-down development group it's got to be just proper really proper I want I'm a I want that one in my lab you know who I am it's a
0: trust factor and a credibility factor
1: I deserve that I want that one I know it works because you gave me all the data but now I'm getting a little now I'm getting emotional about this thing so for us we'll go through all of the concept, the preliminary concept work, the labs, the hospital—they're buying in. More importantly, the clients really buying into this thing. this modularity, and because we're doing all of this little noodling, as I call it, just this little thumbnail sketching, one of the things that we want to do really, really quickly is to make sure you understand what's the volume of this thing, and it's done at such a base level. I mean, we just—we'll just start. Carving up foam core, you know, just cardboard, and just showing, oh, here's what it looks like, here's the module, here's how you deal with it, here's your screen, buh, buh, buh. That's just a little preliminary volume study, mm-hmm. so everyone says, oh, that's the size. Now I get it. But remember what I said earlier about this multiple until you get in the risk factor. So, cutting up some foam cardboard, it's not a big risk factor. I mean, what does a sheet of cardboard cost? Yeah, somebody in the studio is going to take a day or two to cut it all up, but but we're really mitigating risk big time. So now everybody understands, here's the visual options, sketch-wise, here's the visual mock-up, I get it, and now we'll go into what we'll call photographic renderings. It looks real, and we haven't built one of them yet, but it looks real, I mean, it's, dead nuts, perfect. So we use that for confirmation to then start getting an indication of the market. You bet I want it. Let's start talking price, let's start talking delivery. And so the methodology then continues where we are working really, 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 really tightly with the developers at this point, all of the engineering teams, all of the biomed folks, the software folks, the firmwares. Um, because. A lot of this, as you can appreciate, then has to get reduced to visual readouts where where at any level in the lab, the newest lab assistant you just hired, he, she really better be able to deal with this stuff in an easy manner. So that's all part of the design thinking where to understand this screen, to understand this, do you know what to do on this one? It's easily testable without spending a fortune at it. And so you just keep going along until finally you do get to what I call an alpha. So the alpha, so now we can use the word prototype.
0: Now we've gotten there. And
1: now it's a prototype. Alpha looks like and works like. You do not know the difference. We could take it to medical shows, we could take it to the hospitals, we could take it wherever the heck we want. It looks and acts absolutely real, but it's one of a kind. But And, and as you'd appreciate, we're throwing some serious dollars at it now, but not huge ones, but somewhat serious. I mean, we've only built one, but and we built it with incredibly skilled model makers, and all of the, um, you know, all the software, firmware built into it, all the mechanics are built into it. So they're exotic, but that what a safety margin. We haven't done anything. We haven't spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on tooling. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands. You know, we're not building 5,000 of them and putting them in crates and boxes and shipping them and we have a warehouse full. So we just keep mitigating the risk until we're right. And the alphas tell us if we're right.
0: And with that product then, you're showing this to the market, you're getting feedback,
1: mm-hmm.
0: are you making changes?
1: Sometimes, we might. Um, but that's why you go to the market. You go to the market for confirmation and and there could be a hiccup that, that shows in one micro-segmentation that somebody really needs something that's a little different than somebody else. So uh, so that's not unusual. I mean that that would be your number one reason for alphas. Why would you do it? Well, you want to make sure you're right. Before we
0: mass produce. Oh yeah,
1: oh my lord. And that I will tell you as a professor now, if you look at any textbook that teaches this methodology, they miss that one every time every textbook they never rarely it's really rare that they will go back into the market just prior to rollout and make sure they're right because they get all they get their uh, uh, all, 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 all the textbooks will say pretty much the same thing go get your data design it uh, build it roll it out no
0: build it check it
1: <laughs> roll it out yeah make sure that make sure the market is really still there because a lot could have changed
0: in that time.
1: Oh, my gracious. Yeah, because it takes a while. Is there a competitor? What's going on? But then you also get a really, really, really good sense of perceived value. Let's go to a hardware store, any hardware store, no name hardware store, and look for anything on any of the shelves. And I would submit that there's a oneness to a lot of semi competitive products. But I would also submit that whatever that retail price is, retail price, with a good degree of accuracy, in your hardware store, the manufactured cost was one-fifth of that retail price. Cost $10, okay, $2 to manufacture it. Why? It's got to go through distribution. it's got to go through retail margins, markups, it's got to go through an awful lot. And that's a crazy way to price things. I mean, you just what's well, what it costs this is what I should sell. No, what's the perceived value? Well, that's one of the values of of taking this to the extreme, and now going back and saying, you're certainly going to get the perceived value because I can do this thing in three or four hours versus three days. Wow! But I really want that. I mean, that's really emotional. My lab, my lab deserves that. Yeah,
0: and patient lives deserve that. Well,
1: yeah, no, that's all, it's all given, it's all part of it, but that is such a critical component because now you get to real, the real perceived value.
0: And that's how we set price, not uh, take our not cost multiples. times five. No,
1: no, you shouldn't.
0: So let's talk about other businesses that can benefit from this.
1: Well, tell me who can't benefit (laughs) from it. Everyone can benefit from it. I mean, if we don't... Let me be absurd. Let me just take it out of the business world for half a minute. I'm not sure why I'm on this track, but I am. Um, If you're into painting, just fine art, and if you happen to know anything about Picasso... So Picasso did a thing called the Guernica. It's an incredible piece of artwork. And it dealt with of the invasion in World War II and the bombs falling on the people. Before Picasso did Guernica, we know historically he did 90 plus sketches that got him to that painting. So your question is, how does that relate to anyone? It relates to everybody. You really better be exploring this stuff. I don't care that... The neighbors loved it, your mate loves it, and the color was right. Those are singular data points. Who cares? And at some point in your career and, and in your belief in what you're doing, you get to that real, real quickly that these singular data points for any, anything you're doing, I don't care. Well, it looks good to me. Well, let's roll it out. I mean, you gotta be, really, you have to be nuts to have that as a mentality and not, not use design thinking on anything. I mean, I, I'd be hard-pressed, I'm really sincere on this, I'd be hard-pressed to find anything that doesn't require some user-centricity to get to the ultimate solution. I'll give you a dopey example. I, I, one of my buddies is an attorney. Bad choice of buds, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> so hey, um, you picked him, um, and he just built this magnificent new home with this crazy kitchen full of gadgets. And the first time I was there, I didn't know how to use one of the gadgets, and it was simple. It was, I think, it was, it was, it was just an advanced microwave oven. And he said something that was totally absurd, and he said, "Well." You're the engineer, you ought to know how to use it. I shouldn't I thought, have to beat an engineer to use kidding? the microwave. Are you kidding? One has to be an engineer to learn to, to just get two minutes for their coffee? I mean, that's the absurdity of it. And, and so that would march down to all of the sub-developers and the developers who have such a, a sensitivity to their own skill level as to what they can do. But what about me? What about that end user? And my point being, everybody should be doing this. I don't care what business you're in. What's, how strong do you feel about whatever that consumption was that you're willing to tell your friends about it? Because I'll tell you, if it's not right, here's an interesting piece of data. If it's not right, you will tell six people on average. That oven just, it's just not right. You're really going to moan about it. Um, you want advocates. <laughs> you want, I can't wait till I tell you what I bought. It really works well. I don't care what it is. I, I don't care how meaningless you might think it is.
0: And whether it's a product or a service. Or a, so, oh if you gracious. have a bad experience.
1: Absolutely. You got it. It's all testable. I don't care. Service product doesn't matter at all. It's all testable. Why would you? Why would you go all the way to the end and not confirm this is a, this is a winner.
0: We're here at Babcock Ranch today in Southwest Florida for part of the Edison Awards. Being recognized with an Edison Award is one of the highest accolades a company can receive in the name of innovation and business success. The Edison Awards honor excellence in new product and service development, marketing, human-centered design, and innovation.
1: This year we've entered a really interesting device that we we really played a big role in in the development of it. Again, some scientists found us, actually they found us because some of the young engineers were my former students, which was really fun. And they had developed an autonomous small submarine, I mean teeny, small, robotic, longer than that table, but nevertheless pr- pretty small, um, and, it, and it required a lot of human interface. How do you manage it? How do you just retrieve it? How do you this? How do you that? How do you visually identify it? I mean, there's just a ton of work that went into it. So, um, so that's what's in the Edison this year, and we're really, really excited about this, this little robotic autonomous sub.
0: Last year, Walter and his team won three Edison Awards. Spoiler alert, they won again in 2021. Herp's product was honored with a gold Edison Award in the category of Surveying, Communications, and Logistics for Bedrock AUV. That's the submarine Walter was telling us about. Bedrock is committed to providing the world with a free, Publicly available map of our world's ocean, over 50 times more detailed than the best map available today. Understanding our oceans is critical for more accurate climate models, improved weather predictions, ocean safety, submarine communications infrastructure, and sustainable ocean exploration. Congratulations to Walter and the HERPS product team. Walter, this has been really a pleasure to learn from you and to think, to apply design thinking to all kinds of businesses, be it services or products. And I think that that testing and iterative process can help a lot of us.
1: Thank you. I hope so. Thank you. Thank you.
0: This has been the InspireLink podcast, your connection to inspiring leadership.